Sahi, thank you so much for joining us today at the Executive Interview Series. Uh, you've joined us from Madrid. You're in a, on a short trip to Malta, so thank you for taking the time to be here. But you're no stranger to Malta at all. Yes, thank you, Trudy, for uh, inviting me. I, um, I lived in Malta for eight years before I moved to Madrid, so it's wonderful to come after a few months uh, to Malta to see the old friends, the offices. It feels good. It's lovely to have you here. Well, listen, we're going to be talking a little bit later on about the growth of Aspire Global, the incredible growth of Aspire Global, and also how that looked like through a pandemic period. But before we get there, you've had some very exciting things that have happened over the last couple of months, and I want to really get down to the nitty gritty of that. So my first question will be, you're talking about uh, B2Bet, which it was uh, an acquisition last September, and enabled you guys then to take uh, the sports book and the platform via William Hill into the South Americas, into uh, Colombia. And so I want to ask, because we're talking about sports book here, what is the long term, but also the short term uh, objectives with sports book? Because sports book over this COVID pandemic has been absolutely decimated because we cannot have sports. So how have you responded to that? So uh, first of all, it's, uh, it's new to us, all this uh, session with the sport. We used to have sport before, but we didn't own it. So it was very interesting to finalize an acquisition in such a year where in the beginning there wasn't any sport of because course. of the pandemic. So uh, the decision, of course, to acquire Bitobet was a long-term uh, plan and not something that can be uh, decided just for the next few months. And uh, yes, you know, there were some effects from the sport, we saw it, but the pandemic here and uh, we see how the sport events are getting used to be uh, activate even without the audience. So sport is getting into there with a different approach, different angle, different kind of events. Mm. So I think that uh, the world saw and was in shock for the first few months. But since then, sport is uh, happening. So I think uh, we got used to it, to a different routine. Well, you say a different routine, but I'm fairly sure that we haven't uh, gotten back to the volume of sports events that we had prior to the pandemic. And you're talking about this choice to move into Sportsbook. I mean, that is an extremely brave decision right now when sports have been hit. I mean, was it something that you guys thought about long and hard or was it you saw an opportunity and just wanted to move into that area? It's a good question because uh, we didn't come from the sport. Uh, it wasn't our bread and butter. But when we uh, thought about where we want to see ourselves in the future, we wanted to see ourselves as a gaming supplier that control more and more elements in the value chain. Mm. So sport is the biggest vertical in many countries. So for us, it was natural that if we want to be very influential in the gaming sector, so we need to own this sport vertical. So it's more of a very long uh, plan that we have, long ambition. So even if now it's being uh, affected because of the pandemic, it will not disturb us from looking a little bit further. It's important for a strategic decision. Do you think that, that sports will recover? I think there's a lot of industries and a lot of 
areas that are going to be affected by the pandemic that we're in at the moment and will be influenced in a long-term way and we will be changing our behaviours. But you think sports will come back to what they were last year, or I should say 2019, pre-pandemic, and they'll come back as, as strong and as, as exciting as they were? Exciting maybe not, because you cannot see sport without enjoying the audience. Yes. Um, but, uh, you know, some of the public companies already starting uh, to release their reports for uh, Q4. And what we can see is that uh, the sport is uh, even given a better results than prior to the pandemic. Uh, so this is something that uh, shows that if a gambler, a better, want to enjoy uh, the games that he's looking now in TV and not in, in real, uh, he's doing it and he's betting. So uh, the sport is uh, coming uh, came even stronger than before. So you're seeing this sportsbook new entity for you, the sportsbook, as a safe bet, a yes. long-term safe investment. Yes. I'm excited for you. I'm really excited for you. But also, you know, this is not the only new venture for you because, of course, you've also taken Paraplay. It's, it's, it's a great point because in one year, from a company that have only a platform, we, we acquired Pariplay and then Bitobet, and uh, it's opened up so many opportunities. And um, just talking personally, um, it's not uh, that taken for granted that uh, two acquisitions can be done in a year and to uh, add so many employees from different companies and to join it into one group and doing it in a pandemic where everybody is doing it remotely. So uh, it's quite a challenge what we had in the last uh, 12 months. Well, uh, I think, it, you know, with, with the pandemic, as you mentioned, it's incredibly brave. It's obviously you have a vision and you know what you're doing, obviously, but it's still a brave, brave decision to move into new markets. And this, of course, is, is where Paraplay is taking you because you have the interim iGaming suppliers license issued to you uh, for West Virginia. Yes. Uh, on the back of having acquired New Jersey. Yes. Now, let's talk about America, North America for, for a moment, because a lot of people, it's well understood that America is a great opportunity, but it's also a, a region or regions, because of course each state is separate, that needs educating when it comes to iGaming, because an awful lot of what uh, is existing there is, is, is land-based. So have you seen this, these challenges? What, what, are the, what are the areas of challenge and what are the areas of opportunity? Again, very brave in a pandemic. So the U.S. is, is so exciting and uh, we knew that it will be very, it will be shifting Spire Global from its core markets and business. This is why we didn't choose to join the U.S. in the first wave. We are joining it now in the second wave and we are doing it through Pariplay. And you know, you said that it's, a, it's an educational, you need to be educated to the market. It's so true, you know, just the early entry how much due diligence each one of the management needs to do and the company needs to do just to enter one state. It takes months. Only the document that you need to fill about your parents, the bank accounts, everything, the, the due diligence process. It's amazing. It's like 60 pages from five different forms, 
15 years back, it's a really long process, so I think. Why do you think this is? Why do you think that in the US it is so difficult? They're making it so difficult with, with so much information being required. Maybe it's uh, uh, you know, to make sure that the players, the companies, the suppliers, the operators that are operating uh, in the US, uh, especially with the, uh, the special combination in the US uh, regulation, you cannot operate online without a joint venture or a cooperation with a land base or a local company. So in order maybe to be uh, able to uh, safeguard those relationship and the regulation, the due diligence process is massive. We never saw anything close to it before. So it's also a threat for companies to come in mm -hmm. because some black companies that are operating illegally mm -hmm. in some countries, they will not be able to pass the regulation in, uh, in the States. So it's like um, a block for some companies and an opportunity because the ones that succeed going over it, it's opening up the biggest market in the world. So it's really exciting. Does it differ? You're talking about the, these very strict um, procedures to even get, a, a, get your initial foot in the door. Does it, does it change from state to state? Does it differ very much? Because each state is, is state-run, so it, it differs. Right? How difficult is, was it from New Jersey to West Virginia? So we asked ourselves uh, the same question after the first big due diligence and uh, process with uh, New Jersey. And then we said, okay, from now, it's only going to be easier. But it's not. Every state has its own uh, process and questions. Of course, that there is the base of this first New Jersey, but it's something that you need to deal with. So it's making it a little bit easier, but still it's a work to be done. And state by state, it's taking uh, a long time. What drew you to New Jersey and West Virginia? Why those states? New Jersey is uh, pretty much uh, becoming mature, uh, the biggest uh, state uh, already in gaming, uh, from the gaming aspect. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of operators and suppliers are already there for uh, some time right now. So when you see that the opportunity with uh, many operators already active, so we are able to supply our products there and then to go into the next states that just was uh, were released recently in the last year or so. So New Jersey is the biggest to start with. Mm -hmm. And then West Virginia was a natural progression. Yes. And I assume that the all eyeing up more states to move into more areas, as you said, in the biggest market in the world. Yes, we are in the process uh, of Pennsylvania and also Michigan and some others. So. Uh, big portion of our time is to fill up those forms in order to apply for those licenses. To have some poor person filling out a 60-page form each time. <laughs> have there been any other challenges uh, heading into the US? Because the US itself has had a very difficult year uh, with, with the pandemic, with elections and so on. Have there been any other challenges that would have caused this process to have stumbled at all? Or has it been just filling in the process, filling the forms and, and getting underway. So there is the challenge that uh, you all the time ask yourself uh, with who you want to cooperate uh, in the US and because the, the access with the due diligence is long and heavy and then you need to certify the products in the labs in the US. 
and the certification process is much longer than the certification process in Europe. So when you are doing it, you want to make sure that you are doing it for the right partner that will also be able to supply the return of the huge investment that you are going to put in the US. So those are the challenges that we see right now where to put the efforts and for whom in order to make sure that we will also gain from it in the future. Well, listen, it sounds amazing and I'm really excited and I'm excited to see you take over the, the, the states. But you did say one thing just then that leads me very nicely on to what I wanted to ask you next, which was you said we are not going to remain in this situation uh, forever and there will be you yourself said there will be a return to land base because people love being together. So for yourself, for Aspire Global, which has had massive growth, not just over the last four years, but definitely over the last year of this pandemic period, you've seen accelerated growth. So, and made some, as you've just described, some very brave decisions to go into new regions, new territories, new acquisitions, was there ever a point where you think to yourself, I, hang on a second, we need to play it a little bit safe? Or are you all guns blazing, go out there and dominate the world? It is, came to uh, my mind that it's, uh, there is, you know, when you grow from 50, 70, 100 employees to be 450, and uh, acquiring two companies, and the revenues jump 40% year over year, there is a pain in the growth. You see it especially when the employees are not coming to the office, they are working from home. And when they are joining a company, so the training and the onboarding is in remotely. So we see the pain of this growth. Of course, we are trying to find out uh, a lot of aspects, how to make it a little bit softer and to make it a little bit more connected. It's some challenges that we are feeling it, trying to solve it. Uh, I'm lucky to have great HR team uh, in the group to make sure that it's uh, in the right direction. But those are uh, some of the challenges that uh, we saw. And sometimes I said, okay, maybe it was uh, too fast. And after two minutes, I think, let's go faster. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> um, Sahi, I, you know, you're talking about uh, growth, you're talking about onboarding in the pandemic, you talked about uh, how many people that you've brought on? What's the reality of that? What And also, what is that going to look like post-pandemic? Because a lot of businesses are now talking, and even at, at EU level right now, are talking about revolutionizing our work environment. And there's a discussion at the moment of a 3-2-2 model, with three days in the office, two, model, two days at home, and then, of course, the weekend. So this is revolutionizing the way that we work. Is this something, as you've had such rapid growth, is this something that you will see that will continue for the future as you move forward and, and you just keep going? It will. And uh, I must say that we try to tackle the way that we will be after pandemic, uh, already after two, three months when the pandemic started, because we saw that the employees are a little bit curious and concerned how it will look like after, because right now they are at home, how it will look like after they saw that they are able to deliver even if they are in remote and what we uh, decided to do already then is uh, exactly what you said with uh, to combine it with x days uh, in a week in the office x days at home and we tried even to take it to another level 
not only on the same hours of the day, so they can also choose if to start at 9 o'clock or to start at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Because we know that there are small kids, little kids uh, in some families, and uh, there are other things that they wanted to do in the morning. So we saw that we can combine it also with the working hours, not only the working days. So this is where we are right now. This is revolutionary. I mean, it took us a, a, a pandemic to change the way that we work. And so many people are talking about the benefits of it. They actually have more time. They work harder. Are you finding this as well? Are you finding that your employees, even the new, new onboarded employees, work more efficiently from home? I mean, is this something or is this, a, is this just a myth? I think it uh, depends on the role and the profession. I must say that uh, we see some areas where the efficiency is less than before um, and they can recover, they can cover it by maybe more hours in order to uh, complete the mission. But the majority is okay and I'm fine with, the, it's better for me that the employees and the staff are happy and that they can take a shower with their little kids at six o'clock when before they just came back after a long ride waiting in the traffic and missing it. It's worth a million for me that they are happy, they can do it, and they are more committed. So even if the efficiency is a little bit less, it's okay. What a great thing to say. What an absolutely inspiring thing to say. Listen, you, you've talked about the, these brave uh, moves that you've made, these decisions that you've taken, and these ventures, these new ventures in this, in this challenging time. What is the vision for Aspire Global? Because from talking to you, I'm assuming it's world domination. Yes, it is. We know what we want to do. We have strict plans how to achieve that. And I believe that uh, in the next three years, the gaming industry will see much more than uh, from Aspire Global. I'm extremely excited. I'm looking forward to seeing where the future takes you. Sahi, uh, Maimon, I'm so glad that we could get together and talk. Thank you very much indeed. I'm wishing you all the very, very best Thank for that you. world domination. Thank you, Trody. Thank you very much.